If you're looking for a clean, sober, professional, academic, well-researched, historically accurate, generally accurate, serious podcast on Southern folklore, ghosts, bizarre events, and unique people, this podcast is not for you. However, if you've decided you can live with that, then join us for The Strange South. <laughs> Hi, Marley. Hi, Hi, Courtney. Hi, Courtney. Hi. <coughs> Whoa. Would you also like to know the boner song? No. <laughs> we have been doing sex education in my house for my 13-year-old. Oh, wow. Um, to compensate for the lack of any sort of <laughs> education, education. <laughs> <laughs> regarding sex or anything they're just like you don't need to know about this that's the <laughs> right. way that they treat it exactly not <clears throat> until you're married <laughs> yeah, be <right>. ashamed <laughs> be very <laughs> ashamed <laughs> but anyway so yes there is like a, and it's pretty mm. catchy like the song is pretty catchy oh my god <laughs> i need to go listen to the words oh so you've got can... to you've got to send me oh a video because god. i'm gonna just be pull that out into it every day i'll just be bouncing around the house singing the boner song <laughs> laughing to myself nobody's gonna know what i'm talking about Oh, they will. I gotta turn my thirteen-year-old onto. I turned my thirteen-year-old onto the same uh, series of resources, and uh, yes. we, we've got to start having some some back talks, some feedback. Oh, sessions. back talk! <laughs> no. Yeah. Uh, talk back, not back talk. Back, back. Like, back talk. They no, already do talk that. Back? Very yeah, well. you don't want back talk. Back talk. <laughs> my goodness. The only thing that I really want to talk about briefly. Um, before we get started, is I would like to just implore y'all. I don't know most of y'all are already vaccinated, yes. but I would like to implore you to please go get vaccinated. Please vaccinate yes. your children. Mm-hmm. I know being in the South, it's very polarized right now. There's a lot of like, you know, myths and misconceptions and a lot of false. And it's scary. It's scary when you look at like all these things that people are throwing at you. But everybody here has been vaccinated. We have all vaccinated the children that were eligible. Mm -hmm. Um, It is not, you know, it is one of those things that we do because we want to protect our loved ones. Mm -hmm. But, you know, Alabama right now has got like, what is it, 34% vaccination rate. And we are coming, I looked at the um, infection rates. And I know the chances of you dying are slim, but... Also, every single person in this room on this podcast knows multiple people who have died because of COVID. And so it is not like, you know, any other thing that we have been through. So I would implore you to go get vaccinated. If you are embarrassed or you're getting too much, like, I know family plays a huge part, family and friends and their opinions and their, um, some people's, like, my family who has, like, extreme opinions and enforces or throws those opinions on you. I mean, it's, it's kind of the Southern way, right? Mm-hmm. Rebellion is the Southern way. <laughs> um, but if you are like, you know, thinking about it, but not doing it because a family member or a friend, it would make fun of you or think less of you. You don't have to tell them. Mm-hmm. You can go get vaccinated and not tell anybody 
and just know the fact that you are protecting yourselves, but but yourself, but you're also protecting others. And you know, you may get vaccinated and still get it, but you will not be put in the hospital. You mm-hmm. will not have that risk of being, um, you know, on a ventilator or anything like that. So please, if you are on the fence, please just go ahead and just bite the bullet and do it. Mm-hmm. And um, you know. We have got to help Alabama because I looked at, like I said, I looked at the infection rate this morning and we are currently just in the past couple of days at the infection rate that we were back in February. Yeah. We're like going right back up. We are like yeah. soaring right now. And if you get vaccinated by the time that this comes out, it takes a month and two weeks after that you are vaccinated before you are like a hundred percent. And in that time we are going back to school and it's like all the bugs that your kids get when everybody gets together, they're all going to be coming back around. So it's almost, I'm not going to say it's too late. It's never too late, but it needs to happen now. now. Right. And to everybody else that has been vaccinated, um, kudos to you. Thank you. Thank you. And um, yeah, I'm just like, I'm a little nervous. We, we are nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm a lot nervous, actually. Yeah, I'm a lot nervous, too. Um about what's just happening happen just because also of what we've seen um overseas as far yeah. as like they're in their fourth wave or mm-hmm. fifth wave or whatever but the thing is the infection rate um is still high like it, this still we're still gonna get it and it's it, it's easier mm-hmm. to get it because of the delta variant but if you look at the death rate compared uh unvaccinated people compared to vaccinated people mm-hmm. it it's astounding it's like there's no hardly any death rate at all with vaccinated people where there was a lot Mm -hmm. um this time last year in those countries that um before they got almost fully vaccinated Mm -hmm. yeah and i'm mainly like talking about uk if you want specifics but yes um you're not going to be controlled by the government nope you all had ours we all have ours. yeah you're not going to be i think another myth that is was floating around (laughs) and i know definitely in the medical community was the infertility thing Mm -hmm. you're not going to be infertile it's like it's impossible Mm -hmm. um so please if you're on the fence um don't tell anybody just go do it just go do it just go do it and i think one of the things that i had seen too was that um if you have friends or family members that you would love to see get vaccinated but are really hesitant themselves one of the things that you can ask them is, have you talked to your doctor about this? Right. Because if, you know, and, and their doctor may be one of those doctors that, you know, drinks the crazy Kool-Aid too. But I think by and large, if people go to their doctors and say, you know, should I get this shot? Their doctors are generally going to recommend that they do, right. you know. And- Millions of people have been vaccinated. Millions. Um I don't know like how many kids, but a whole lot of kids too. Mm. Uh, and one of the things, you know, I, I did pause not getting my kid vaccinated because I was going to get vaccinated, but I did the research on like the inflamed heart condition thing mm-hmm. that's, they don't know for sure or not what's caused or mm-hmm. it just happened when you take like a section of the population. But none of that brought about death or complicate. I mean, they got over it. Mm-hmm. It's like one of those things that happened and then they got over it. Um, but I would, like, if you do go get vaccinated, like, go do it. But do it on, like, a Friday. <laughs> yeah, give yourself some time. <laughs> give yourself some time because I felt like I had the flu. 
Um, and I knew that my antibodies were like, you know, kicking in hard, which kind of scared me a little bit because I thought not that I was having it then, but like the possibility of me having COVID and it feeling anything like that yeah. was pretty scary. So I would do it like 10 times over again. So, um, just do it. Do it. Do it. I support this message. <laughs> I do too. Please, I'm please just quiet because it. I'm eating a pickle. <laughs> yes, if you hear that noise in the background, it's each of us crunching the pickles Trying. that Courtney put in our Bloody Mary, which mm-hmm. she made for us. Tell us about our Bloody Mary. Yes. Oh, Bloody Mary. Well, first off, I thought y'all were going to make me make a warm Bloody Mary today, and I was just really not looking forward to that. <laughs> it's too hot. It's, it was 97 earlier. Um, oh, wow, that celery's really loud. I will personally not be drinking the hot bloody <laughs> warm bloody mary so if we make them again i'll make them for y'all but mm. i wanted to make a bloody mary anyway because i went to the beach this past weekend and to a restaurant called brick and spoon and it's just breakfast and mm, i think their motto is like breakfast and lunch and everything in between so brunch obviously um elevensies yeah elevensies <clears throat> and they have a bloody mary like bar you get a menu like you do a sushi menu and you just click off all the things you want. So cool. That is cheeses, bacons, shrimps, all kinds of pickled vegetables, anything you want. I mean, it's huge. Um, so I had one of those, actually I had two of those because my friend who went with me didn't like hers because it was too (laughs) spicy for her. And so I had two of those and I bought their bloody Mary mix and it is fantastic. It is delicious. And I don't like, she's talking about me with the warm bloody Marys. Um, I don't like cold tomato juice. I never have. And it's like a texture thing. Maybe a taste and texture thing. But I, And I love tomatoes. But this mix that she brought back is not that tomato-y. And it doesn't have that so texture. Uh-uh. Mm-hmm. So, so it is, it's good. It is really good. I wish I'd had 10 bottles instead of one. I don't know what I was thinking. We'll put I'll a link to it in the show notes. Yeah, I obviously wasn't thinking. But yeah, if you, it's, a, it's a small chain in the south. Um, I think it. There's several in Alabama, a couple in Mississippi, and one in Tennessee, Pigeon Forge. Brick and spoon. Go and have a Bloody Mary bar. Or right after you get home. vaccinated. Like, after you get vaccinated. Do it right after you yes, get vaccinated. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Celebrate. Um, yeah, I don't have a lot to... Uh, we were just talking before the show about the fact that uh, we don't generally talk about our YouTube channel on the episodes. Right. And we do have one. So you can look for us on YouTube if you're, for whatever reason, not able or you know, not allowed to listen to us <laughs> at work while you're on Spotify or, you know, Apple Podcasts or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Or on our website, if you if you can only access YouTube, we got you there. We got we can you. Help you. Right. Um, but you know, so we're going to be working on continuing to update that YouTube channel. Yeah. And you know what? Even if you don't, how about going over there and giving us a like and yeah. subscribing so that we can start boosting up our um, monetization. Um, simply not because we want all the monies, but we want to do more things yeah. and we need the capital to do that. Yes. Cause we don't have unlimited time. Actually, we've got <laughs> extremely limited time yes. in case y'all hadn't, <laughs> in case you haven't noticed. Right. And then that's, yeah, that's one of the things is like, we want to pay people to help us. Yeah. Um, we would love, you know, people to volunteer. That'd be great. But we feel guilty about that because we want to pay people for their time and yeah. service. So that's part of the reason why we want to kind of boost our monetization on YouTube. And we also, um, if you would, you know, 
like to become a patron, uh, go to uh, Patreon mm-hmm. and uh, look us up or go to the link on our website and mm-hmm. find us and become a $3 creepy doll patron. Yes, it is less than a tall latte probably yes. at most places and if you're like if you're new then right now you'll have 26 after talks that you can catch up on so and apparently content. today's is going to be epic because we just sat down and i was like i've got quite a bit to cover in after talk and patrice is like so do i and i was like well here we go yeah <laughs> it's gonna be a long after talk with episode 87 well um let's see do we have other things are okay. we down to business we are down to business am i first or second today I think I was first last week. Were you? Am I crazy? I don't know. Let's see. Set up. Does it matter? I wasn't here. I know. You weren't here. I was having brunch. Was last week the end of Edgar Casey? Yes. That's Edgar Casey part three. Oh, you're first then. Okay. All right. <clears throat> bum, bum, bum. So, my story today. First of all, I want to give a huge shout out to Lynn Monet. Oh, yay! From the fan group for posting um, about the Ask a Mortician YouTube channel, <laughs> which was awesome. And her talking about the tri state crematory scandal, mm-hmm. which I listened to. And it's really, when I was in um, a freshman in college, I was going to MUW in Columbus, Mississippi University for Women. And I started taking, I took like philosophy uh, 101 and I had like brand new instructor, brand new professor and her brother was the forensic person of like South Carolina, like the head forensic person of South Carolina. And she brought him in and he like told us tales from like the, you know, the forensic files, basically. <laughs> and it was so awesome because uh, during that time I was really into true crime. I was in, like Ann Rule. I read a lot of like Patricia Cornwell and stuff. And so that was such up my alley. And I was just like, let me ask you all the questions <laughs> about dead people. <laughs> I want to know. Dead people and psychopaths. Dead people and psychopaths. Um, <laughs> and so, you know... Just listening to this Ask a Mortician and the research that I've done um, was kind of a good flashback. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I really like this stuff. I'm a weirdo. (laughs) (laughs) We're all the same weirdo. So I'm going to be talking about uh, or looking at Southern morticians and funeral directors and undertakers. <laughs> I'm binge watching Six Feet Under, so I'm particularly interested yes. in this. Have you watched it? Yes. Okay. Forever's ago. She had to. They t- she put me onto it, and yeah. Oh, so that's okay. what I had to tear away from. I'm like, come over here. <laughs> so sidebar. Da-na-na-na. Yeah, six yep. feet under the intro to that series. <laughs> I teach a class on um, multimedia, uh-huh. and I we use that intro to like dissect, like you know how people come up with these things and the techniques used um, in order to create a fantastic intro to a title show it is a beautiful title so yeah i'm very yeah i'm very aware of it i love it so much guess who else loves it yeah marlea knows cc loves it and i have a video i've shared today on my on my snapchat (laughs) she has it has she's been conditioned by hearing it Mm because the bird flies and when she hears the doom 
when the bell right. rings, she jumps up to the TV and chases that bird around the TV. Yeah, it's like it, as she soon hears as it the, does that Doom. initial chord that they strike right before mm-hmm. the picture comes up. Right. Her whole head turns like sharply to the television. She jumps up on top to chase this crow across the screen. Then she jumps to the other side of the <laughs> to screen to see where the it went. That is hilarious. <laughs> anyway. and, and for y'all that don't know, Cece is um, Courtney's yeah. cat. My cat. Yeah, Cece. Okay. And Six Feet Under is an awesome show. You should totally it's watch it. If you haven't watched it, I'm gonna have to rewatch it. Years yes. ago, I watched it when it was like fresh out, and we got we just were obsessed Michael with C. It. Hall. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So Undertakers, Undertakers. Okay. Yes. So mm-hmm. my source for all of this, including the after talk, is Thrillist.com, mm-hmm. TheOccultMuseum.com, ListVerse.com, Verse.com, and of course Wikipedia. Of course. Where would we be without Wikipedia? Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to talk about like I said, the Southern Undertakers and just a few, like a few little tales, you know, kind of an umbrella, if you will. Um, (laughs) First one I'm going to talk about is Bobby Wilkes. So in the 1980, Bobby Wilkes was a 51 year old funeral director and he ran the Barber Funeral Home at Cross Pines in Tennessee, Cross Plains, sorry, Cross Plains in Tennessee for about 20 years. And he would advise families um, about, you know, during the funeral, uh, not to watch the lowering of the casket because it may be too difficult for them. So this is a point that he really was pretty adamant about always touching on. Um, it'd probably be best if you didn't watch the casket being lowered, or, you know, because that's like the final goodbye and stuff. And many families, you know, you're, you're such in a haze yeah. um, when a loved one dies that, you know, any guidance or somebody telling you what to do is kind of appreciated because you're on autopilot yeah so many of the um many families he took his advice and everything um when it came because you know he was the expert you know the on funerals and stuff however in october of 1988 he told this family that was at the grave um site he told you know gave him his spill and told the pallbearers to walk away from the grave site while you know their loved one uh, descended, but a couple of the pallbearers still had Wilkes kind of in their eyesight um, after they had walked away, and they saw Wilkes throw like potted flowers into the grave, and he didn't put the lid back on the vault. Whoa. So, you know, a casket goes like into this concrete vault, then <coughs> it has like a concrete lid um, on top, and uh, and so he didn't do that before he started covering it up. And he just kind of like shoved some potted flowers in there. And they obviously uh, took issue because he charged them like $375 as an add-on um, to like lid the vaults or whatever. Oh so it was like a separate charge. So they went to the police and they say, hey, look, this dude is this something weird going on. And the police came out there um, and arrested him. And he made the news because after uh, people saw him on the news, they started to come forward and like, yeah, weird things are, are, you know, have happened too when we were there. But, you know, they didn't want to say because, I mean, it's a horrible time in your life, right? Um, And not only that, then you're stuck with the cost of having to pay for it, right? So they went in and they okayed to have 30 graves um, dug up. And uh, there were graves that were buried without vaults that had been paid for. 
there were at least 10 coffins that were stuffed with garbage, <gasps> like what? bottles, dirty diapers, used cans of dog food, and bags of hair. Jesus. Uh, two of the coffins were buried on their side. <laughs> why and they one, have all that shit anyway? And yeah, why one. I know, like, why, why don't you just throw it in the trash? <clears throat> but the body was in there too? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, no, I know. Yeah, I think the body was in there too. Gross, that's one, gross. One had like, like an arm sticking out of the coffin. <gasps> um, a couple were buried like on the like the coffin was on their side, like it was just pushed in there. There was a man that was buried without a coffin, and um, that's illegal. When the grave digger, <laughs> I want to go. I know, but that, yeah. When the grave digger um, went, you know, to exhume the bodies, he said that. Just the way that it was done, it seems like Wilkes was angry at the dead. Like it was kind of huh. like this just weird, um, I don't know, I don't know, just like it felt like this would be done by somebody who was angry or, or something, obviously ill. Mm-hmm. All right. In 1989, Wilkes pled guilty to 48 different charges and was sentenced to 28 years and 11 months in prison. Whoa! Why did he do it? He didn't. He didn't say. No. The trash thing really throws me off. It's like, isn't? I mean, you just put it out at the bin, out to the street. I don't. Know. I gotta say though. Now listen, there's some weird shit about <laughs> sentencing, because I mean, I was just listening to that Camp Hell and Awakey podcast, and they were talking about the sentencing of the guy who ran what was basically like an abuse camp for mm-hmm. kids yeah. in Georgia for like. 40 years Mm -hmm. and he got fucking eight years in prison or some shit and i'm like wait this guy the only i mean i i'm not trying to trivialize it's awful but i mean it's all over the board there's nothing compared there's nothing consistent and it's the same thing for like domestic violence for rape um you know it's just slaps yeah it's slaps on the hands Mm -hmm. um weird what a weird story where was he from uh tennessee Tennessee. okay yeah Yeah. that's right all right so my next, uh, who is, what would I call him? Undertaker, cremationist, okay. whatever you want to call them, is Joseph uh, uh, Damiano. In 1977, Joseph Damiano opened like a body transport business in South Florida. And he won like a number of lucrative contracts in the area and, and ended up monopolizing the market. So, you know, and we all know Florida is like the retirement community. Like yeah. people go there to die. Yeah. So it would be a lucrative business. Uh, his transportation business took off so much that he decided to add cre- uh, cremation services to the business. In um, the 1990s, Damiano was hit with several lawsuits in 94, a woman sued him because she believed her husband's ashes were mixed with someone else's. Oh, I knew it. Um, at the trial, his former employees like testified that Damiano's crematory would uh, be ashes of different people mixed together. And they would have like more ashes. Like if a, a baby had died and was cremated, there was not that much ash like left over. So he would add more ash to it so i guess they would feel like they got their money's worth i don't know oh my god i don't know that's that's it's horrible but there were several uh civil hearings and uh damiano like didn't even show up to defend himself he was accused of losing a woman's uh ashes entirely uh and then he also would take the ashes and instead of like 
given them back or if he had, well, hell, he didn't know know who he had because obviously he was just keeping them in a pile somewhere. And I guess if he had too many ashes or if somebody didn't pick up their ashes, he would just dump them behind the crematorium or in the parking lot. Well, that place was haunted. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So he lost every single civil case that they brought up against him. Oh, my God. And he was ordered to pay $39 million to the people he had wronged. I mean, we're talking about, like, that's the, like, that's the money that we're talking about um, in in this business here. Uh, Of course, he didn't have any property in his name, so they couldn't go after his property. And, um, you know, he had all of his businesses in somebody else's name, so basically they couldn't collect on him. Sounds like he knew how to do it. Yes. Um, And then, you know, it was kind of quiet for a while. And in 2001, there was, um, you know, oh, it wasn't quiet for a while. Sorry. It was never quiet. It was was never quiet. So he owed all this fuckload of money, right? And in 2001, uh, Florida like started investigating more funeral services because they're like, this is shit and it's probably going on elsewhere. I bet. And I always wondered how it would not. I've heard similar stories, but yeah, it's gotta be. Yeah. And so they were very interested in him because he owed all this money, but more to the point, he owed the government like $15,000 in fines. Oh, there we go. And so they came after him and they realized that he didn't have a license to run an incinerator. Uh, of not. And he had oh been Come on. illegally renting out bodies to the embalming school oh. without survivor <gasps> knowledge. Renting? It's like Birkin hair stuff. So <laughs> he like rented out 600 bodies illegally for $110 each. Rented. Uh, he had at least two cases known of. So um, in Judaism, it is prohibited for them to be cremated. And mm-hmm. there was like two cases, uh, oh, um, not cremated, God. were embalmed. Yeah. They were prohibited yeah. to be embalmed. Yeah. And so he did, in, like he embalmed um, two people. Oh, and man. in March 2001, uh, Demiano's operation was finally shut down and he was arrested for fraud and operating without a license. However, in May of 2016, Damiano popped back up in the news because oh he was running an online cremation service out of Colorado oh, called oh. <laughs> Heritage Cremation Providers and Legacy Funeral Services. I guess if your title's long enough, you sound legit, right? Yeah. <laughs> it says Heritage and Legacy. But, <laughs> but he was, you know, he was pegged again because a customer says that <laughs> ashes... <laughs> came <Sorry>. back <laughs> ashes came back mishandled people were complaining it took months to get the ashes and then some people even accused the company of holding out ashes of love or holding on to ashes of loved ones for ransom what the hell Fuck. what is wrong with people okay oh my for god ransom? for ransom like and my my grandfather died of COVID and uh, during a time when everything was locked down and we couldn't, you know, we couldn't go to the funeral home. So um, my folks had him cremated. And I mean, it was like an online transaction deal. Mm-hmm. It's like, I didn't really think about how that's been, but it's done a lot mm-hmm. where you don't know the place, yeah. you know, you've never even been there. And then you're trusting the legitimacy of the business to take care of it 
take care of the people. And um, <laughs> it's funny. It's not funny, but it is kind of funny to us because my grandfather was a postmaster and he ended up having his ashes mailed, <laughs> mailed to us. Yes. Uh, so it was kind of like his final hurrah. Um, USPS. <laughs> uh, but but then, you know, they said online cremation. I was like, well, yeah, I guess that wouldn't be a thing in the industry now. I just never really even thought about it. I hadn't either because we grew up in a small town where everybody went to Oh, it yeah. still goes to yeah. the same oh, yeah. funeral home. Oh, and yeah. it's W.T. Wilson. And Daddy told me from when he first started getting sick, just send me down to W.T. Send me down. And that's who oh, owns yeah. it. That's who you talk to. And same thing. You trust. Like, it's a hard mm-hmm. time. I can't imagine doing something, having to be online and yeah. not know. Impersonal. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, they wouldn't, you know, because nobody could be around um, yeah, of course. to pick up because um, yeah. we're in COVID, lockdown. I know. That was so weird. Yes. All right, so the next person I want to talk about is Mark uh, Viella. Viella. In 1999, Mark Viella, who is a funeral director, um, found that his wife had written a letter Uh to address to her lover. Uh Uh-oh. And Mark and his wife had only been married for like two years. And well, she, shit. She, she That's was, fast. She was younger. And um, her name, I don't know if her name was Ex- Exley, Ex- Exley, Exley. Hmm. Uh, and so, you know, Exley told her sister that, you know, they were fighting, but they were talking it out. But they were still having like this major fight because he found a letter to her lover. Like, text girl unlock your phone i don't know (laughs) and then you know that happened and then she'd never heard back from her sister or i'm sorry actually like dropped off the face of the earth her sister never heard back from her and then actually didn't show up to work and her co-workers you know realizing something was wrong and called and you know talked to uh, Mark and Mark wasn't even looking for her and he was basically like well we had a fight and she probably ran off which was kind of bullshit because she left her eight her 18 month old child in her car there what? at his house and so the police came into the fray after being contacted and they were like yeah this is kind of bullshit because why would she lose you know leave her car and her child and and you know not tell anybody including her sister where she was so the police come and they um interview mark and the day that they come and interview mark was the same day that he had a closed casket funeral for an 89 year old marjorie hutchinson and so as soon as that happened the police put two and two together and they had her body exhumed Uh and realized that he had buried um his wife in the casket with the old lady to get rid. You know, I bet that happens a lot. Oh my God. A lot. That's freaky. In fact, I think I saw it like on a show or something. I was just thinking, like, I feel like it was that a plot of a show or something, that or a book I read or something. Will that happen? No, I don't. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it ended up that old Mark had stabbed her in her sleep. Because he didn't want to go through a costly divorce, of course, Jesus Christ, and share custody of their son. Mm -hmm. It's it's the same thing. What was that recent like Netflix or um, Hulu show where the guy 
killed like his whole family because he was done uh, dating a younger woman and didn't want to divorce his wife. Oh God. You, y'all know it's like, it came out last year. I'll have I to remember it. It'll be in the show notes when I remember things, but yeah, same, same exact thing. So he pleaded guilty and was sentenced to 30 years, years in prison. Gah, gross. I know. All right. The next is the case of Julie Mott's. In 2015, friends and family of Julie Monts attended her visitation um, at a funeral home in San Antonio, Texas. I'm reaching out a little bit here with Texas, but there's one thing I want to say here. This is really the only reason that I'm talking about Julie Monts, which is very sad. She was bare. She had like um, cystic fibrosis, and she had been battling with it on her life all her life, and she died like a week before her 26th birthday. So after the visitation, um, but before the funeral home closed, somebody had like gone and taken her body out of the casket and took off with it. What? And they like had no idea, like, first of all, who would do that and, and why? Like, you know, they had an open coffin, they saw her, and then now it's time like to go be buried and she's she has disappeared. Oh my god. I'm thinking of that bride story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay. So of course the first thing that you know the theories that came about is that it was the ex-boyfriend, oh. um, a la like Carl Tanzer kind of yeah. thing. Uh, okay. Because apparently he was obsessed with her, and uh, but they took Ooh. a bunch of like cadaver dogs and they went into his car and his folks' home and his home, and they searched around and they you know. They couldn't prove anything. They didn't catch a sin or anything. So the second theory was that, um, and actually it was the funeral home uh, owner. And this is, y'all, I'm a child. I'm just going to tell you. (laughs) This is the reason I included this story. Because the funeral home director's name was Robert Tips. (laughs) Otherwise known as Dick Tips. Oh my God. Dick Tips. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. That just, he knows the that, had, that had me <laughs> chuckling. But his theory was somebody stole the body who was morally objected to cremation. Which was kind of stupid because it was her family that like set up the funeral and like And who, like what are they gonna do? What are they gonna it? do how, with it? How are you gonna respect it when you right? first bury it yourself? And then the third and final um, theory was the funeral home may um, have been involved in the disappearance or whatever. Thing is, she was never found. Never? They still to this day do not know where the body went to. So in oh, uh, January of 2016, the Mott family sued the funeral home for gross negligence. Yeah. And we never, like, they never know, knew what? who took Julie's weird. body. I'm going with the dude story. The dude. The yeah. dude and the bride and yeah. the... Yeah. Yes. Sewing oh her hair on and stuff. <clears throat> and, <clears throat> and my final funeral home mortician story, which is the one mm-hmm. that um, our friend Lynn tipped us off, off on, was the... Or is the Tommy Ray Brent Marsh story. Mm-hmm. And it's the one that I remember hearing about. Uh, Marsh family, who lives in Noble, Georgia, uh, had made cremation available to the community at large. And, you know, you think about it in rural areas, there's not, 
you know, there's not much choice. Uh, if there's not a crematorium around, you have to bury them and burial is expensive and a lot of people cannot afford mm -hmm. um, to have loved ones buried. So they started offering the service to people um, as a way to, you know, have their loved ones, um, you know, cremated and it not costs for like the coffin and the service and, and, you know, the plot and because it's very expensive. Yeah. And he was a Marsh was um, a very, and this is Papa Marsh that I'm talking about. He was a very respected businessman. He once ran for coroner of uh, Walker County and he lost by just a couple of hundred votes or actually fewer than a hundred votes. I always think it's weird that the coroner is a like voted elected, in position. Who votes? Who's your favorite coroner? Who are you voting for? I know. <laughs> Um, so he ran this business, uh, and then he ended up getting sick and because it was, you know, he wanted to keep it in the family. He asked before he died, he asked this some son come back and run it. Well, his son was in school and college in Tennessee playing football. So his son, who is, uh, Tommy Ray Brent Marsh came down in 1996 and, um, started running the, uh, business and the business, and this is kind of a red flag, but, you know, I totally get it because we are talking about rural, you know, the rural South here. The business that his father had built was basically in his backyard of the family home mm -hmm. there in Noble, Georgia. And while Tommy Marsh was running this um, business, you know, he dealt with thousands of bodies of people in the area from like Georgia, Alabama, and Tennessee um, for cremation. In October of 2000, the sheriff's department got a or uh, got the first report that something like weird was happening, something unusual was happening. Which again, crematorium, house, backyard. I mean. Red flags. A red flag, like a big fucking red flag. But the biggest fucking red flag was like a propane delivery truck person had like said, hey, y'all, I was over at the um, at the marsh place and there are dead bodies just hanging around. Oh, no. And so you think that the Ooh. sheriff's department, in fact, I think he went twice and told them, like, I was making, like, a delivery, delivering, you know, filling up their propane gas, and I'm looking at dead bodies around. Oh, and my God. And so the sheriffs obviously didn't follow up. I, I don't know <laughs> the what hell? the reasoning was. Like, either they went there and the bodies were gone or they just like drove by and just did a like look see from the road or you know I, I don't know what what the excuse there but nothing happened a year later oh. the environmental protection agency got an anonymous tip that there were bodies in the woods surrounding marsh property and so an epa officer went out there and they did discover like a skull and some bones that had human origin and so uh, again, I don't know what the missteps were here, but the bones went missing and they couldn't like offer it up as evidence and nothing ever happened. Oh my God. So that now we're in February of 2002 oh Lord. and the police receive a call from an anonymous source again saying that 
while walking their dog in the woods, they found a human arm bone. Well, apparently this did it. I don't know. I don't know why that. You know why dead bodies from innocent dogs are being traumatized. (laughs) (laughs) So there was, you know, arm bone fell. So the police went out there, and on their first day out there, they found forty nine bodies um, that should have been cremated that weren't. Oh, God. And they widened their search, and they ended up finding 334 (gasps) bodies scattered on and around the marsh property. What the hell? Scattered. How did it not smell just... Well, exactly. So some of them had been there for like five years. They were like in all stages of decay. And if the sheer number of bodies wasn't like disturbing enough, the... um. It's how they were stored. Like some bodies were still in their caskets. Some of the caskets were stocked on top of each other's. A lot of bodies didn't make it into the caskets and they were uh, strewn about. Some were still dressed in hospital gowns with their wristbands. Um, Bodies were found in the woods. They were hidden like in nearly every building on the property. They were dumped in holes in the ground. So, I had one small little chipmunk die in my oh, house, man. and the amount of flies <clears throat> that yeah. that thing God, produced yeah. was like Amityville horror level, like fly. It's just one little chipmunk that we couldn't find. I mean, we didn't even well, they, smell it. They or weren't anything. embalmed. Uh, no, no, but they no, they weren't embalmed. They were just like freshly delivered. Jesus. But yeah, the amount of flies, the stench. I mean, how could anybody live anywhere near, near it? I mean, know. how could you like even visit that place and not have the stench oh just like make you question things? Is that not a huge public health hazard Hell on top yeah. of it? I mean, it's well, groundwater. That's one of the reasons oh, you can't just. Well, and that's why the EPA was called initially um, when somebody, you know, complained about it. All right. Oh, my God. Gross. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, the bodies, of course, some of the bodies had been there for like five years or more because you know some of like were bones that's where they found the arm bone wow and um when they were talking about like just the number 300 300 bodies that's a fuckload of people yeah like all over the property it reminded me of the body farm yeah that's what i was thinking for the fbi in tennessee which again going back to when i was at muw and taking that um philosophy 101 uh, I was reading Patricia Cornwell and Body Farm is like one of my favorite of her books because Patricia Cornwell was um, is the author and she worked at um, like a computer analyst at the chief medical examiner in Richmond, Virginia. Um, so all of this came together. I was like, oh, man, that is so nasty, but I am so interested <laughs> in all of this. So some of the ways, again, the bodies or uh, some of the ways that the police found the bodies um, in the garage. They were stacked one on top of oh each other, my God. Uh, just laying around with their fluids leaking oh, onto the ground, like you said. That's what I was going to say. I was like, they turned to sludge. Eventually. Uh, yes. It just makes me want to puke. I'm wondering how many people puked. Oh my God. So as soon as reporters like caught wind of this, <laughs> you know, it be- made national news. I remember hearing about this. Mm-hmm. It made national news. And, um, you know, reporters from all over came down there. Of course, they had to call in like special uh, portable morgues mm-hmm. from like Maryland so that they could put these bodies in like a refrigerated and try to. Pers- 
save whatever they could of the body so that they could identify them so that their loved ones could come get, you know, the bodies and take them to um, a legitimate um, or have them buried or whatnot. Uh, But they were there for a month and they figured that the cost of having um, the, you know, I guess it's government step in to, you know, take control of this. It was like $10 million cleanup for all of those bodies. Marsh ended up having uh, 787 felony charges. Whoa. And that included 179 counts of abuse to a corpse and 439 counts of theft. And when they were like, what the fuck, Tommy? Like, Mm -hmm. what's going on? He basically says, to those of you who may have come here today looking for answers, I cannot give you any. That's it. That was it. One of the Damn theories. It. Holy cow. One of the theories is like the incinerator that he was using uh, wasn't working. It wasn't like cremating properly, and um, but they went out there and they tested it and it did. But there were some things that were wrong with it, and then like a bunch of people who work in um, crematories piped in and said, you know, well with proper maintenance, you know, and keeping it working and then, you know, being on a regular maintenance program, which I'm sure costs a lot of money. Yeah. So, you know, I'm wondering like how there's so many factors here involved. Um, and they said that it sh- they shouldn't have had a problem, you know, cremating. And then they also stated, and this is like, this sticks with me a little bit more. Um, because of his father dying um, and he had been sick, but they thought that there was a faulty ventilation system and that both Marsh and his dad had toxic levels of mercury um, just because of the way that Marsh was acting and and the way that his dad died. And so, um, you know, where would the mercury come from? From fillings. Oh, Um, holy shit. And, um, so the funeral industry and, you know, the government at this time, because it blew up and was in the news, you know, they pointed to a lack of regulation and inspection in general. Who wasn't, who, how did this go on that long? Nobody said, where are all these bodies going? We need to do a check. You know, as, as a factor in contributing (laughs) and the years of people saying, Hey, there's Uh dead people. Yeah. Go check it out. What the hell? You know? Yes. So what the hell? So, um, you know, Another thing that could, I mean, it was just like the perfect storm of just crap just piled up. Another thing that they said that the, um, Georgia had like pertinent regulations as far as, um, you know, disposing of bodies. However, there was a loophole in the law that allowed uh, crematories like Tri-State who, to, who only dealt with funeral homes to operate without a license. What? That's a stupid loophole. Right. Um, so allowing them to go without state inspection. What? So, oh, my God. Of course, that loophole got fixed. Yeah, no <laughs> shit. I bet. Um, really, the only thing, like, they could, you know, really, you know, the EPA was, like, the one thing that, like, had their regulations in place um, as far as, like, you know, um, you know, emissions mm-hmm. so that's really the only thing that they could you know get crematories on is like how much emissions that they are having and i guess you know, i would think mercury would probably yeah. be in one of those but if they didn't know that 
I don't know. I was, I was going to say, if they didn't know it was, like, going on, yeah. then how, I mean, again, major oversight. Oh, my God. Major. All right. So, Marsh was, like, facing a possible prison sentence of, like, thousands of years from all of that. Um, the, there's a, If you go to the Wikipedia uh, page for Tommy Marsh... There was like a really long section of like all the civil cases of all the just lawsuits and litigation that went on. Um, I didn't read it because honestly, it bores. Me. <laughs> it's not exciting. It's a not exciting read to me. Um, but because I just want, I want the cliff notes. I want yeah. like okay, let's look at the facts here. Um, and one of the things that I found interesting is they were. Um, fighting over the a corpse's um uh p- uh pun pun canary pun canary okay know. law term totally slaughtered it but it basically means like how much monetary value does a corpse have oh and so is it theft you know, they were, they were like getting into the, like the fine hairs of like, you know, what does a word mean kind Mm -hmm. of thing, you know? And, um, they ended up, he received a sentence of 12 years in prison and, uh, 75 years of probation in Georgia. 75 years. (laughs) So he served his 12 years and, uh, Tommy Marsh was, or actually, did they call him Ray Brent Marsh? I don't know. Marsh Jr. was released in June 29th of 2016. Uh, During one of the many settlements that went on, uh, they, like, the families said, like, you know, the the property needs to be, like, raised to the ground. And uh, the property, yeah, Mm -hmm. remained in a trust. uh, So, you know, to preserve the peace and dignity um, as, like, a secluded memorial to those who remains were mistreated or not found or maybe still there. And to prevent, like, the crematory operations or other inappropriate activities taking place there. So it's not open to the public. It's private land. um, And it's just, like, a quiet memorial. And they're not going to do anything with it. And it'll just stay that way. But they didn't leave the bodies out. No, they (laughs) didn't. No, No. the bodies were collected. And cremated. And either cremated or buried by their family. Wow. The ones that they could identify. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But their family thought they were already buried, right? They they thought, yeah, yeah, it was a done deal. They didn't go back and try to sit, go to well, a grave. But, well, the, well, the thing about it urn. is, I guess, I, I guess since it was for people who didn't have money, they yeah, I, I guess not because the the funeral money. home, like he was dealing solely with the funeral home, so it's whatever uh, deal that the funeral home had with I see him, and you know, I don't, I guess he was. Oh no, this is a thing that I read. He he put um he put cement, he put um cement dust. Oh my god! Instead of remains, so. Um, that was what he was using to send back to people. Wow. And so, like, you know, the people were just cement, basically, cement dust. Jesus. So, um, tri-state crematory incident was used as the basis for a law and order criminal intent episode called Dead, which is season two, episode one. Uh, This case was also a backdrop for the 2011 film, Saga Nanaga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It's, it's similar to that, okay, yeah. y'all? Which was a fictional account of these events. And then it also inspired a CSI Miami episode force <laughs> entry. CSI Miami. Yeah. There was a book written by one of the sons um, of uh, one of the people supposedly that was cremated there. Uh, because, and it was basically the book covers his quest to discover whether his father's remains were among those in the crematory because he didn't know. Uh-huh. And um, that book's called A Long Day at the End of the World, A Story of Desecration and Revelation in the Deep South. And that's by Brent Hendricks. Wow. And that is the end of Mortician's Funeral Directors and Undertakers. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's fucked up. It is fucked up. Ugh. So the moral of the story, and this is what the um, YouTube mortician lady said. She's like, be involved. Be even. She's like, it's going to be hard, but you need to, if you're a loved one, and if you can, be there when they are being cremated. You need to be there through the whole process. I didn't even know that was allowed. I just assumed she act, it was She acted that. like it was... I don't see why it wouldn't be, I mean, other than safety reasons, but I would think there would be a, a viewing. I think you'd be able to view somebody cremated mm. as a loved one. I don't know. I didn't do it mm. because the funeral home, we had to send him to Al- my dad to Allerville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's the only one nearby. Yeah. Oh, and I, I, th- I think like in bigger cities. She's like saying you can just go and watch it. Wow. Yeah, she was I saying like, want to. Yeah, but she yeah. says it's hard, but that's how you know that, you know, you're – do i guess getting your loved one and doing right by your loved one but it's hard and i don't blame anybody i mean we like i said we had our granddaddy delivered by mail so damn dark that's crazy i have my dad's ashes on my shelf at home in a little burn (laughs) (laughs) along with my uncles and my dad's dog i have an ash collection i think it's them i don't know now Funny, not but funny. People think I'm very morbid when they no, say that. No, no. My my grandmother, who died a couple of years before my grandfather, um, she was cremated as well. And my granddaddy always used to poke at her because during the end, my grandmother did not take shit mm-hmm. from my granddad anymore. And so she, he's always, but he was always poking fun at her. He was like, yeah, he's like, when I die, we're just going to like put all our ashes in one pot. Uh. And she's like, you better not. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Thanks, Good y'all. Story, <laughs> we'll be back in a second. Do you want more Strange South every week? We can help. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and you can join our Facebook fan group, Fans of the Strange South Podcast, to keep the chat going with our whole creepy community. Do you have a story idea for us or a story of your own to share? Email us at stories at thestrangesouth.com. Plus, if you join our Patreon, you not only help support the podcast, you get an exclusive bonus episode for every show and a discount on merch. You can find links to all of these things on our website, thestrangesouth.com, along with photos, links, and show notes from every episode, Strange South t-shirts, mugs, and other goodies. See you there. I didn't get <laughs> Your mic just went... Dick tip. <laughs> Dick tips. Dick tips. Was it Robert or Richard? Was it Richard, Richard. tips? It was Richard. Oh, yeah, okay. Richard is dick. <laughs> no, not, not Bob tips. Bob tips. Not as funny. Not as funny. Nothing's as funny as dick Dick tips. Dick trickle.
NASCAR driver. <laughs> That's just real name. Not fair. <laughs> that he was... used. He could chose to use Richard, but or change his name. He's Dick like, Trickle. He's like, I can take it. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's my name. Damn it. I'm proud. Greek proud. Bobby. I'm a proud <laughs> Trickle. <Dick> trickle. <laughs> Junior. <laughs> Junior Trickle. Oh my God! Somebody else went through That's that too. So horrible. I don't know if it was Junior or not, but that'd be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and now for something completely different. Uh I'm not talking about dead people. Oh. Mm. So okay. Mm. Courtney didn't hear my last week's story, so mm-hmm. some of this is going to be a little lost on you because this is a two-parter. Oh, damn it. You're going to have to go That's back. Has it posted yet? Mm-hmm. No. Oh, mm-hmm. okay. You're going to have to go back and listen to la, 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 the la, first la, la. part. <laughs> I'm going to do that the whole time. La, 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 la. <laughs> about the moon-eyed people. So don't, oh. ask, don't ask too many questions if you're confused at the beginning. The moon-eyed. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. So, so good. So but I do kind of know about these people. I know you do. Uh, last time, I talked about the moon-eyed people. Because there was the, you know, little Siamese twin creepy baby statues at Murphy, North Carolina's little basement um, museum and talked about how, you know, there was this legend that they were the small, white, blue eyed folks that, you know, they could only see in the nighttime and they were um, in the lands of the Americas before the Cherokee arrived. And, you know what? And that's what's funny is like I, I really expected to have so much more alien talk around that, and there was just not a lot of alien shit around them. It was all about these legends. Hmm. But um, so you know, we talked about how people thought they may have been Welsh Indians. We talked about what that means, and but that never really explained like the tiny stature or their inability to see or anything like that. And then we talked at like at the end, I kind of talked about how there, what kind of misconceptions could lead to. They may not actually have been white, but medicine people. Yes, like that, you know, it may have been a language barrier issue. It may have been a, you know, desire to understand people and listen to people issue. More than likely just white man fucking it up. Really. And and also how different types of lore gets mixed up, right? right. So, um, and it creates something exciting and new. Exciting <laughs> and new. And um, so at the end, I said that there was another legend that may have gotten wound up with this moon-eyed people and the Welsh Prince Madoc white Indian stories. Um, and so this other potential legend that might have led to what these moon-eyed people actually were is the idea of the Cherokee little people. Right. So there's a, there's a, a folklore among the Cherokee about a people called, God, God help me. Oh, I <laughs> um, I think it's Yanwi Jun. It looks like it's supposed to be Junsti. It's T S U N S D I apostrophe. You did an amazing job. Well, like... I was reading the phonetic version, mm-hmm. so it's like Yanwi Junsti. I think is how it's supposed to be, and that translates it like exactly to the little people. Mm-hmm. And so they had this idea that there were these little nature spirits and, you know, think about dwarves and fairies in all these other, you know, ethnicities and places. So the idea was that these, these little people, the Yunwi Junsti, they lived in rocks and caves in the mountains, um, in that territory in Appalachia, across North Carolina and Tennessee, um, they're smaller than children. One 
um, reference said they, they believe they were hardly up to a man's knee, that they're really, really long haired, like hair going all the way down to the ground and that they were proportioned like, like adults, you know, it's not like they Mm. were, when you think of dwarves and stuff, it's not like they had big heads and broad chests and stumpy legs and arms. They were like, they were the same ratio proportions as, as a grown Cherokee person, but they had long hair. They were usually really handsome and they were bearded. And these little people loved singing and dancing and playing the drums. And they they just really loved music. And they were um, magical people. Wow. And so, you know, it tells these stories of these helpful nature spirits that would, a lot of the time, you know, if people would get lost in the woods, children would get lost. You know, the the Yunwi Chunsti would come and take the children back to the village. And um, there was this article that I found in the Smoky Mountain News from 2006 by a guy named Gary Carden. And he was kind of celebrating an old friend of his who was a Cherokee woodworker. His name was Johnson Katolster. And the guy had been born in the early 1900s. And apparently they had a good relationship working with like Cherokee bureaus, uh, you know, uh, just a lot of, a lot of different things they had done together. And he was talking about like conversations that they had had. And Johnson had told him over time about these little people. And he would say that he could see them on the side of the road. And then, the guy would walk up and he would be like, what are you talking about? And he's like, oh, I forgot. I forgot. I say these things and like white people just think this is ridiculous. You know, <laughs> white people don't get this. But like I just saw the little people on the side of the road. So uh, he asked Johnson once, like, what what do these little people do? And he said, mostly they play. And my grandfather said that they don't need food and they don't need sleep, which kind of jibes with one of the stories I read about like a hunter who had gotten taken into the the village of the little people because he'd gotten lost and injured mm-hmm. and they fed him all this food and drink and he was really well taken care of but they didn't have they would have these giant loaves of bread but every time he would grab a piece of the bread it would like disintegrate in his hands and like crumble into nothing so he felt like he could eat it all day but he was only eating crumbs and he would never get full mm. um but <clears throat> so johnson said they were just kind of they're just happy spirits. They just like to have a good time. And he said, when I was young, I would sometimes camp in the woods and I would hear them laughing at night and they would spy on me and they play games. They played tricks on Cherokee hunters. And he said, little people could imitate animals and the hunters would go charging off after deers or turkeys that weren't really there. And then they would laugh. And he said, I can remember when families visiting the park would have children who would wander off into the woods. And after days of searching, the parents would get desperate enough. He said to follow the advice of a Cherokee, someone who would tell them to ask the Yunwi Junsi for help because they can always find lost children. And he said he would have like, he had a mother one time go into the woods with him and just ask just like out loud call for their, for their children or call for the Yunwi Junsi to come help them. And he said, sometimes it works. And sometimes, you know, they would find the children near the road where the little people had left them. And sometimes they wouldn't find them at all. And, um, this kind of goes with another idea that like, you know, if you piss them off, they might take your children. Mm. And so like the Fae, like the Fae. And yeah. so he said the little people are, they're immortal, but he said, it's funny. I always think of Fern Gully with this. They're, they're like immortal, but they're becoming fewer and fewer as mm-hmm. you know, their territory and their natural habitat is being taken away by industrials, you know, by, you know, highways and right. factories and all this stuff. And then he said that there was a hidden lake deep in the Smokies where 
animals and Cherokees and the Yunwe Sunsi go when age or disease saps their strength. So instead of like dying in the normal plane, mm. they would go to this magic lake and only the little people know where it is. So that was, I mean, and I hadn't heard of this kind of idea of no. like of Cherokee fairies. So, and they, there were rules that people would share in a bunch of the different things that I found. And I'll, I'll have to have all my references on the show notes because there were just so many different places where I took this from. But it was one that if you hear their drums in the mountains, if you're in the mountains or the woods and you hear the drums of the little people, don't follow them because they don't like their homes to be discovered. And if they don't invite you, they don't want you there. So if you accidentally find them, they will basically like spell you stupid. Like they'll cast something on you that'll just confuse you. Mm -hmm. And it's not even just so that you can't find your way home or so you can't tell other people where they are. It lasts for the rest of your life. Oh, wow. So uh-oh. if one of the little people is accidentally seen or chooses to become visible, you're not supposed to talk about it for at least seven years. <laughs> and there were a lot of the stories about hunters, like the guy with the bread, like hunters who had either gotten injured or gotten lost and were taken in or found the tracks of the tiny people and, and happened upon their villages. And um, But when they're, they're sent home by the little people, they're always told, don't, don't talk about us. You know, don't tell anybody about us. Mm -hmm. And it's like as soon as they do, they die. Like something always oh, happens to them. The second they're like, oh, I tried not to tell. And then somebody just nags you and nags you. And you're like, oh, it was the little people. And then you're like keel over. Right. Um, it was a common practice to not speak about them after nightfall. And there is advice that if you hear them outside at night, you shouldn't go out. But when you when you come out in the morning, chances are you'll have all your your crops harvested or all of your field cleared um, like as a gift to you because they like to do benevolent things for people. Um, if you find something in the woods, it says um, you're supposed to say, little people, I wish to take this thing. I need it because it might belong to them. And if you don't do that, then they'll follow you and like make you clumsy. You know, this was like one of those little, it's like mm -hmm. little punishments, like you knock Give over you glasses runs. of waters. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> Or, or you lose things, you know, silly mm -hmm. things. But um, they're generally friendly. But if you piss them off, it's like they don't do you any favors and they might steal your children. <laughs> and they'll definitely leave. Like they won't ever come back. So there's a blog called Into the Wonder that said there were three clans of um, Yunwe Junzi. And, um, and it said the Rock Clan is a malicious clan. And I would think this would be more the mountain ones that we're talking about, like in these in these right. stories. But they get offended really fast. And if their space is invaded, they're the ones that are going to like hex you. And they are the ones who steal children. Mm. And it said the Laurel clan is the happier, friendlier, Hufflepuffs. joyful. Hufflepuffs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and But they like to play tricks, but it's like the little tricks. Right. And then the Dogwood clan is very favorable to humans but they just don't like to be with people. Like they prefer to be left alone. I understand that completely. I know, right? I'm a dogwood clan. <laughs> Me too. I'm a Hufflepuff. Um, so, but the Choctaw, the Muscogee, and the Catawba all have similar myths about little people. So interesting. Which is, you know, I found really weird because mm -hmm. I'd, I'd never heard of any of that before. But, um, you know, and they all have different names and they all have slightly different things. But all this is like lore from tribes in the American southeast that presumably existed before white settlers came hmm. um and it's weird because it's like if so many groups believe that these were real 
Right. You know, is there something there? Because of course, well, I'll get into that in a second. There's also, um, there's a woman named Mary Joyce in North Carolina who was kind of obsessed with that question. Like, well, if all these people believed in them, right. You know, couldn't they be real? And she lives in the North Carolina mountains and she had heard these stories and she wrote a book called the Cherokee little people were real. And, um, now she also does like a lot of Bigfoot and alien and UFO research, you know, she's a regular on those kind of shows and podcasts. So she's a bit of an outlier, you know, stuff like this, Mm -hmm. but she like in the book, she talks about how she interviewed three men. And of course she's white. All these three men are old white men, Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, these three men apparently did the original excavation for setting the foundations of Western Carolina University, which was a, a campus that started out in the 1930s, I guess, in Kalawi, North Carolina. And these three guys all say that when they were excavating and putting the foundations in for their buildings, they found um, tunnels that were carved out of red clay, but they had arched ceilings like that would have to have been architected. Mm-hmm. You know, you, the, they're not animal tunnels. Right. And they were made out of clay, and um, they were just a few feet high, though, so they wouldn't have been big enough for, you know, Normal grown people. men right. to go through or use. Weird. And they all. She also said that while they were doing the planning and like building of the campus, they found a skull that was the size of a child's skull, and that it was collected by the university faculty. And that they kept it. Now, this was they. She said that they kept it like in a locked drawer in the back of a desk, and every once in a while they would pull it out and look at it. Because if you looked at it closely, you would realize that it had wisdom teeth, so it had to have been an adult skull, right? And but it was too small to have been an adult skull. And so she says that this is this is the skull of one of the Cherokee little people, and that the university wants to. But I, it's like one of those weird conspiracy. Like, but why would they? Why, why would they, they keep want it in the back know. of a drawer and lock it, right. you know? Well, why didn't they have pictures of the tunnels? You said yeah. the 30s. I mm-hmm. mean, there were cameras. It's not like... Yeah. So, you know, it's it's dubious. Right. But those stories are out there. And people do talk about, you know, there being tunnels and things. But they also say, like, that the mounds, the burial mounds that were in that area weren't actually burial mounds. They were the soil that was excavated from the little people digging these tunnels, mm-hmm. which is, it seems like to have been roundly disproven, right? Like, I don't, I don't know about that one. Like but, the, like the burial mounds, Cherokee burial mounds, mm-hmm. like we have. Or, yeah. Like um, a lot of us have all around the Southeast. <laughs> we've all, we've all get these mounds. Um, so anyway, whether they're real or not, you know, like you started saying it as soon as we started talking, about, I'm sure all of you were thinking about it is like, th- these are the same stories that settlers brought from Scots Irish and the Welsh all brought their Mm -hmm. stories of the wee people and the fair folk. What? Mm -hmm. What? No, but I'm saying, okay, this is what we were talking about too. Yes, that's true. And they um, populated the um, Appalachia. Mm -hmm. But also we were talking about how old the Appalachian mountains are. So old. And that at one time they were connected with the same land Mm -hmm. of these folklores that we're talking about that came across. Mm -hmm. So is it possible like when the continents were connected that that's like and then when they split apart. But it started as one thing and and then then it broke apart. Yeah. 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 Totally. Totally. Well and that's one of the things that's like it really doesn't seem like one of these necessarily predates the other, but it's kind of impossible to tell, right, with, right. with folklore. Right. But they're just so similar that it's hard to tell whose story you've got at this point, you know, because mm-hmm. all that stuff starts to meld oh, right. together. Especially, yeah, and when 
you know, when we sit here and we talk about, well, what I know, and then the story mm-hmm. becomes changed a little bit. So we yeah. don't know how often the story was changed from <laughs> its original. We so much stuff up just from, <laughs> just from this show. Um, but yeah, I was like, I was looking through all the, the similarities, you know, and, you know, thinking about, you know, Scots-Irish fairy fo- forts in the hilltops with secret underground entrances. Mm-hmm. Like that was a big thing. Um, leprechauns Mm -hmm. short bearded tricksters right you know who are sly and solitary and (laughs) apparently frequently drunk and love (laughs) traditional music though it was really fun to start and this is what my after talk had some some extra stuff about fairies just because it was too much fun to like look into old fairy lore and stuff cool but um you know the scottish and english have the brownies Mm -hmm. who are like house spirits who would Mm -hmm. do things for like the like the the german elves and the shoemakers story. yeah cobbler you know they had say. them too right mm-hmm. we um, were called brownies when we were in the girl scouts i know the girl we scouts. little and that was the story the <laughs> younger the, yeah, story the youngest learned, ones are the brownies. the brownies are the helpers and yes. they help yeah and but you know apparently even the brownies get pissed off if you don't leave out snacks mm-hmm. like no, <laughs> which that would be true also do the six-year-olds <laughs> who are the brownies <laughs> and me um Oh, and this was one I had never heard. So if you give brownies clothes, because they, they run around in rags, and if you give brownies clothes as a gift or try to baptize them, they will leave your house forever. Mm, and I was Dobie. like, oh, my God, it's Dobby, Dobby the house the elf. House Dobby, elf. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I was like, give oh, my God, yeah. give them a sock. But except they do it, I guess, as a matter of pride, maybe. It didn't sound like it was like a gift. Like they it were was like enslaved. They were like, like Dobby right, there's nothing wrong with my clothes. <laughs> Um, but there's also, so the Sheed in, um, it's a Gaelic name for fairies in the Highlands and the mm-hmm. Islands of Scotland. And the Sheed are the dickish ones. Mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, they're the children's stealing. They take the babies. Yes. yes. They're mm-hmm. the changeling yes, ones. Right. They take the babies mm-hmm. and replace them with their own babies. But you know, that's, it's like so similar to the other stories. And, um, and also, I'd never heard this before either. It was said that the Great Irish Famine, like the potato famine in Ireland, was caused by warring Sheed fairy tribes. And that when one would win a battle, they would curse the enemy's potatoes. Mm. And that was where the potato famine came from. Wow. Um, but, you know, dwarves and gnomes and tro- all of those fall under the fairy umbrella, too. In, right. You know, when you're talking about magical people. But they all, again, small bearded men who lived under mm. roots mm. and in forests and... Um, all Keep that kind elves of stuff. and make cookies. Yes, and make cookies and burn <laughs> down their little houses. Stripe. Oh my god, fudge sticks. Oh, those Cold are good. Cold refrigerated fudge sticks. Those are good. Armor jam. Elves are very, very talented. Chocolate. They are very talented. <laughs> Cookie makers. Yeah. Well, and so I started looking at like fairy beliefs that you find in Appalachia. Mm-hmm. And because, you know, I figured, well, it sounds like it's a combination of these Cherokee little people and the, you know, the fae of Ireland and Scotland and, you know, the Welsh. So, but there are these, these are a little bit different, like, things that i found on a couple of sites one was if a human man or a woman married one of the one of the fairies of the mountains you know married one of the fair folk mm-hmm. that their hybrid children would become seers or healers which okay so that okay. was apparently a seers. kind of seers. seers like seer roebuck seers roebuck <laughs> they become a seers <laughs> no they're Now, this was another one. I found this on two different sites that were specific to Appalachian beliefs about fairies. Mm -hmm. We all know what a fairy ring is, right? Like the mushrooms Mm -hmm. grow in a circle means the fairies have been dancing. 
So this one was, if you step inside a fairy ring, you can close your eyes and they'll grant you a wish. Ooh. And I was like, hey, what the fuck? You out. do not step inside a fairy ring. <laughs> you do not step inside a fairy oh, ring. You step not? inside and the spores come up and they're the right ones. You will think. You'll be very happy for a while. No, according to what mushrooms are down there. I don't know if it's Scotch or Irish, but the, the story about fairy rings is if you step inside, they will take you as one take of theirs. Take you to the other side. Uh, because yeah. it's so oh. tempting because you'll still hear them. You'll want to dance with them. And so you'll be basically like with them for at least seven years. Oh, you'll disappear. Kind of like labyrinth, right? Yeah. Just so like dance I forever. I was like, don't. They just, you're not supposed to do that. That's wrong. <laughs> so um, the other one is if you, have, if you um, have a fire and any of the logs are burning blue with a blue flame, that means you're being watched over by good fairies. That's Ooh. one I hadn't heard before. Uh, Okay. Mm. Okay. No. Oh, sorry. I totally like took that like house fire. It's like if your house is burning. Oh no, and no. It I'm sorry. Blue, not if your house is burning. <laughs> then like it's like it, you're light. already like restate. shit you out of luck. Fire pit? <laughs> yes. If you are, are if you are tending a fire, I got it. Okay. And there's blue flame on the logs. Then that means that a good fairy is watching over you. Oh. I was gonna say if your house is on fire and there's blue they, flame, that they, fairy is not a good fairy. Not a good fairy. That is that is a sheet. Mm-hmm. Um. At the end of the uh, at the end of a day, I've heard this before. When it gets dark, that you weren't supposed to throw your water pails of water mm-hmm. out the door, and you're not supposed to throw sawdust or sweep sawdust out after dark because you'll hit a fairy in the face and they'll get pissed off and punish you for it. I've never heard that one. Oh, uh, neither. I've heard that one before. Um, but I have a little bit more in after talk. But there's um, there was one other thing that was like this weird kind of, con- what, I don't know, conflagration. I use that word a lot. I don't think that means what I think it means. I don't know that word. When you combine things (laughs) together um, in weird ways, is this um, another myth of the fairy cross? Have you heard of the fairy crosses? So last episode, I talked about Fort Mountain State Park in Georgia. And that's one of the places you can find these. You can also find them. There's a fairy cross state park in Virginia that you can find these at. But there are places in these mountains, and I guess it's mostly Blue Ridge, that... um, you can't find anywhere else in the U.S. these little geological things called fairy crosses. Um, they're little rocks, and they are they look like two rectangles that are kind of fused together at 90-degree angles, so they form little X's or crosses. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, they grow that way, and they're called starolite crystals. And they're formed through geothermal Oh, processes. I do know what you're talking about. And a lot of yeah. people take them, like if you go to one of the gem mining yeah, places yeah, in yeah. the hills or whatever, mm-hmm. a lot of them, a lot of people will polish them up really nicely if they find them and they'll put them on necklaces and stuff. Um, or give them as, you know, just, you know, little things to keep in your pocket for good luck. And um, they're formed through these, this process that makes these, these little rectangular crystals twist in 60 to 90 degree angles. And that's why they form these crosses. But they call them fairy stones. And if you look up fairy stones or go to either one of these parks that has so many of them, mm-hmm. um, you'll find a lot of like Christianese websites that say that the legend is original Cherokee and it's more than 2,000 years old. But the story they tell is that the Cherokee little people um, and or the fairies, but a lot of them reference specifically the Cherokee little people, were hanging out by a pool one day like 2,000 years ago and a messenger came to tell them that Jesus had died. Mm. And all the fairies cried and the tears that they cried hit the ground and turned into fairy crosses. And there's one, I found a reference to another story that is, 
the the crosses yeah. were made by the tears shed by the people who were like ejected from their land on the trail of tears which i believe that yeah, yeah a lot more and that's that whole the whole christian take on the story grosses me out though yeah, yeah that is because that i mean it's like colonization worse. didn't go far enough to actually like dump them out of their land but like you even took this you know it's like right. you took this away also there were crosses before jesus there yes. were anybody exactly. seen anything there were always, which no i know kidding. a lot of our listeners know for sure yeah so yeah i mean that story i i almost didn't tell it because it just makes me feel really cringy um, I think I, it really bugs me, but again, it's an example of how all that stuff just ends up getting mishmashed together to make something different. Um, but anyway, so that's just, but I'll talk more about fairies in the after talk fairies, just a little random, like how to, how to find out if there's a fairy in your house kind of things. Um, but yeah, that's my whole story. That's, that's part wow. two of the moon eyed people slash the Cherokee little people slash we don't know Fairies whatever lived here. Slash. We don't know it lived here before. It yes. could have been hairy aliens. Yes, it could have been. It looked like we aliens. It really did. But that's it. Cool. On. Onward. Onward. We did it. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate y'all so much. Thank you. We do. And we will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Dick like, Trickle. He's like, I can take it. Mm-hmm. He's like, it's my name, damn it. I'm proud. Greek proud. Bobby. I'm a proud <laughs> Trickle. <Dick> trickle. <laughs> Junior. <laughs> Junior Trickle. Oh my God, somebody else went through That's that too. <laughs> so horrible. I don't know if it was Junior or not, but that'd be funny. <laughs>